there's really big camaraderie with a, a big community where just about everyone in there is also an animator or also makes games. How do you trust people as you expand in a collaborative way to execute this, this vision that the three of you had? Meanwhile, you are an incredibly accomplished artist. Is it weird to not be able to flex that? Success in art is when you make a bunch of stupid shit while you wait for people to like your real shit, and then you find out that your real shit is your stupid shit. Given all the offensive stuff and some of the reactions to that and some of the past things, why haven't you been canceled? It's been too much happiness, and I think we need some cyanide. Exactly. Oh, well said. There you go. I agree. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. That's what we do here. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor, who is going to spread the cheese about our guest. Is that, a, is that a phrase? I don't think that's a phrase, but it sounded good in my it head. It is now. Spread the cheese. It is now. And thank you. My mother will be happy that you, that you called me Matthew. Two people use my full name. You know, it's, it's Kevin and my mom. So both of my parent figures, um, <laughs> we have, <laughs> I tried, I tried to keep myself from laughing, but I, I lost it when you did. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're in the discord now live with the tots and the dumpster crew and the infantry and the baby gang. And also Chris Wilson, uh, Chris Wilson started with stick figure doodles to pass the time during a bout of strep throat 15 years ago, and it seems to have worked out to some degree. Uh, since then, he's grown the webcomic Cyanide and Happiness, along with a few partners, into an absolute multimedia juggernaut. Their card game Joking Hazard, which I'm sure a lot of you have played, that raised $3.2 million on Kickstarter. Uh, another home party game, Trial by Trolley, raised $3.5 million. Freakpocalypse is their video game, and that's coming out on Nintendo Switch. And there's the incredibly popular webcomics. That's how I'm sure a lot of us were introduced to Cyanide and Happiness. And the animated uh, YouTube channel that has over 10 million subscribers. We're using million a lot, and there's a reason for it. Uh, but in... In uh, an era where personality is just, it seems to drive everything. It really is king. Uh, Chris has a stick figure avatar on Twitter, and his Instagram is crudely drawn offensive comments. That comics. So when we think about all of this together, the question we really want to start with, because we're a little confused about it, is who is Chris Wilson? <laughs> oh, Chris Wilson is an artist, a visionary, a dream weaver, if you will. No, no, I, uh, I, I feel so flattered. I appreciate that. And, and, uh, you really got the full spread card games and everything. Um, Chris Wilson, uh, let's see if I were to say who Chris Wilson was, I would say he's some dipshit on the internet who likes to make stupid things and, uh, other people, uh, would consider him a cartoonist. 
And um, let's see, should I go in the full story? Barbara Walters it. I grew up in Wyoming in a small town and uh, uh, in a very Mormon family in a very Mormon town. And so I spent a lot of time alone uh, learning to animate and draw and whatnot just to kind of have something to do out in the middle of a town of 150 people. And definitely not only uh, got inspired to do what I do now and also met the people the, my colleagues that I work with to this day, uh, my uh, the co-creators, uh, Rob Demblaker and Dave Michael-Fatrick, and uh, we all met through Newgrounds. Like, we owe everything to Newgrounds. How did you meet through Newgrounds? See, I, I'm, I'm such a Newgrounds, um, uh, I don't want to say, like, I don't know anything about it. And, and I feel like I missed out because a lot of the people that I love come from there, Psychic Pebbles, you know, did a lot of Newgrounds stuff. Right. Um, Oni still does a lot of Newgrounds stuff. Um, what is that like and how do you compare it to YouTube? Is there, there, is there like a community there where there, are there forums? How do you meet people there? You just share your work and then talk elsewhere or what? Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely a user-based submission portal. And so like people would put up their animations or their games up there. Uh, and now it's art and music as well. But yeah, there's a forum and a community there. And then there's communities within those communities. And that's where Rob, Dave, and I were. We were in the stick figure animation community, which was surprisingly large and niche. There was uh, several websites, you know, that were kind of in that realm. But it really was like a little pocket community within the Newgrounds community. And uh, I would compare it. It was a lot more, you know, everything was kind of just to get your work recognized it was a lot less um angled it wasn't a gold rush nobody was making a ton of money or anything like that so um there was a really good there's really big camaraderie with you know a, a big community where just about everyone in there is also an animator or also makes games and i it's it was definitely just a lot more of free love than compared to youtube where youtube kind of makes everyone feel a bit more competitive and you know they're if they're doing it full time their jobs on the line so a lot more contention with youtube uh and newgrounds you know the people who own it and run it are also uh they they know their audience they're part of it they also would submit animations and games to their own portal and stuff and so you don't have that um crazy uh meddling like you'll get from youtube and, you know, things like their rules and and all the, the the drama and what happens over there is kind of completely barren when it comes to Newgrounds. And how did how did you guys come together on that site, though? Like what goes from um, probably liking each other's work and, you know, you leave some comments and shoot some messages and whatever. How did that turn into a real thing? I uh, was a very big fan of many animators in that community and uh, and Rob and Dave made animations that I was a fan of. Uh, Rob had his own website called Stick Suicide and it had its own little portal, its own kind of tiny new grounds. And I was putting my putting my animations up there as well and uh, started using the forums and kind of getting connected in there as uh, there too. And kind of wanted to take a break from animation because I was working a job going to high school and doing um, animation. And so I was taking a little break while I was sick and just started drawing comics as a, as a way to just kind of, I don't know, do something, entertain myself. And then I started posting it onto Rob's forum and they really loved it and got in contact and they're like, hey, we want to kind of start a new website and 
kind of distance ourselves a little bit from like, this is a stick figure animation community, you know, and just have be a bit more broad, open that umbrella a little wider. So, uh, you know, they uh, asked if I wanted to come do the comic on the new website, which is Explosum and ha- be right before it was launched and stuff. And then um, we never kind of expected it to get big or anything. We just kind of started making some back and forth and sending it to each other, make each other laugh really it's very similar to when you're in a classroom and you're passing drawings or notes or whatever around it's kind of like that but with a bunch of strangers that are grown men on the internet it's interesting to me though that you all work on this one thing though like like it's 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 weird and and amazing that you would also be like hey like here's my thing cyanide and happiness and then the other guys are like, well, here's my version of side-eyed and happiness. I mean, it must right. not seem it weird to very... you now, but 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 hearing that story, it seems like he would be like, well, here's my cartoon. Instead of you all being like, well, we all make this cartoon <laughs> uh, that right. like Chris, <laughs> right. you like originally came up with, but you all have different versions of it. That's so unique, I think. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't very formal at all. It wasn't like, hey, what are you doing? doing my cartoon or anything like that um it's you know we were on we were just sending them back and forth over messenger and just conversations would turn into inside jokes and and for me it was really you know just kind of nice to um be able to see the different perspective and take on the style and take on the humor and uh i think that because there's you know we uh rob dave and i have such a similar uh sense of humor and uh get along so well and just kind of have a lot of similar goals and ideas for it that we're able to kind of do things like you know four seasons of a full show while we're making a card game while we're doing a comic every day stuff like that and uh it helps us kind of um i guess just band together for a lot of that stuff where you have a lot of people if this if i was trying to do this amount of stuff on my own it would be absolutely be one of those situations where it's too overwhelming and then you have like, you know, creative, creative melancholy. And then you go on hiatus for five months and then come back for two and go again. That seems to happen all the time if people fill their plate too much and try to be a one man army. So it worked out. It worked out really well for us. And I think it, we also kind of stood out by doing that instead of. Uh, you know, especially at the time uh, with web comics specifically, most of them were about video games, and most of them had a snarky uh, main character that kind of resembled the artist and stuff like that. So the fact that we were we you know wanted to do things very very differently, and kind of it's kind of our shit posts for web comics is kind of how it normal uh, initially started. Um, so yeah, but, but I definitely think the fact that it didn't, it, you know, that it all became uh, a small team really quickly, uh, helps, helps a lot of it. it just helps you kind of still enjoy doing it too. I don't think that we've had a guest, Matt, have we had a single guest who has this story or even remotely anything like it? Because you talk about one man bands. We did an entire podcast about one man bands on YouTube and burnout and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of YouTubers can't even deal with hiring like literally an editor to help them out. Right. And, and here you are like just the polar opposite of that where from day one, pretty much you were collaborating with other people and I think it's worked out kind of okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. Like it's so. worth, it's worth pointing out that uh, the, the one guy who very naturally 
jumped in to that collaboration. And uh, from from what you've said, the whole process uh, kind of kind of juggles both humility and confidence. Like I know I'm reading into a little bit that you've said, but it's obvious that uh, that that you had a sense of what you could do well and what other people did well and how that combined. Well, the guy who did this is the one where we're using the word millions every single time we describe anything quantitative. There's a reason for <laughs> yeah, that. Like this, exactly, this, exactly. this is not, not a coincidence not, at all. It is not a coincidence. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, this is the first <laughs> guess where we're like, oh, this guy's helped build a media juggernaut. And how did he do that? Let me check notes. Oh, by working with other people bizarre yeah oh it's important doing, doing it right yeah, that's from the very, beginning I, the, right from the beginning well i did um i started late i think uh i had my own website where i was doing cyanide and happiness and it was a small little uh website with a flash front end that i just kind of would update every day and i did that since uh october 13th 2004 and then um and then Rob and Dave and and, and everybody, uh, you know, we started working together and um, putting things together by mid two thousand five. So there was a little stretch where I was trying to uh, take Sign and Happiness and pitch it to publishers and uh, making some uh, self published books and stuff like that. But there, you know, it was very kind of like uh, Teespring Cafe Press style, like put your images and we'll in in a file and we'll send you a book of it kind of stuff. And so um I think that for a lot of people especially if you want to really dig your feet into like a creative uh department or uh any sort of creative branch, it's good to understand that hey, you know, people who do um like editing or marketing or accounting or all those other things, you know, that's their art form. Do you really want to start that, you know, from zero and make that your art form and it can get in the way of other things or would you you know, kind of trust and respect the people who uh, really value doing that in the first place. So for me, it makes a lot of sense. And um, now we've worked up to being an actual legitimate animation production house and uh, have 24 full-time artists and animators uh, collaborate with people um, uh, across the world and overseas and, and just, it's a, it's a group, a group effort, but it's also a really intimate one. Um, and when Dave, Rob, and I initially started, well, we started working together uh, about a year before we ever met in person. Dave lived in Ireland, in Northern Ireland. Uh, Rob lived in Texas. I lived in Wyoming. And uh, we all met up at San Diego Comic-Con. And that was the first time just meeting each other. So, like, you know, we even, like, you know, we still work to this day kind of at a distance and with other people around the world. So, you know, starting up where we're all collaborating and making animations and comics yeah, you know, not knowing each other in person and and being from different parts of the world and stuff uh, definitely made us much better at and much more prepared to bring in other animators who can do things better and and work with sound editors and music composers and things of that nature. The chat is talking about everything that you're saying here. And, and Trevstead has a question that uh, it's what I was thinking too, as you were talking that if you've got 24 full-time people on, on a, a project, that's a creative one, you know, we're, we're not talking a factory making widgets where you right. can train somebody else to make a widget. Uh, how do you, how do you trust people as you expand in a collaborative way to execute 
this this vision that the three of you had. What's what's unique about that with creativity? What's yeah, that's a great question. And you know, um, I definitely say that when we had to transition more over to like, you slowly have to kind of let go of the handlebars a little bit and and kind of trust people, you know, trust your artist's input and their take on things, but also, you know, have a clear vision and lay it out and have a goal set in mind. Um, but it did take us a little bit of, you know, a little bit of work to transition over to where you can not only uh, train somebody to understand your your voice and your vision and uh but also you know having having the confidence in them to allow them to expand upon ideas or change things or even say no this this idea is better and run it past you um it's it's hugely important but it's by no means by no means is it impossible um i think the the fact that we for us you know we're we're employing people because we you know, we we want them to work with us steadily and we want them to be safe in doing that and have, you know, benefits and all, all everything like that. But to us, it's very much not so much when you picture like a boss employee kind of relationship. It's these are people we collaborated with beforehand, people we would still feel like we're doing a collaboration with. And uh, I think just kind of that perspective has helped helped keep things, you know, um, yeah, moving well creatively, but also not losing the soul of it or or, uh, you know, being very visibly by someone completely different. I want I want to uh, circle back really quick to something, because um, when you were talking about how you need to be able to trust people to have their own art, whether it's an accountant or an editor or a sound designer or whomever. Uh, Matt, we we were literally talking about that this morning in regards to uh, Dunning Kruger, right? And how people mm-hmm. who can yeah, ex- yeah. be um, like in the one percent of one thing, all of a sudden think they can be in the one percent of everything because it's like, oh, I am yeah. so yeah. good at like I don't know whatever uh, drawing cartoons that obviously I would be also really good at balancing a checkbook. What's the difference? I'm so right. good. And I'm so successful. And it's like, well, there actually is a difference. And maybe the person who is awesome at balancing a checkbook is as good at that as you are at drawing um, hilarious comic strips. Right. I mean, if your passion is like, if you don't, if you don't have any passion for something you have to do to kind of build up your creative endeavor, um, you're also not going to feel, um, you're not really going to feel that satisfaction if you, complete like if you do some if you do a good marketing uh thing or a good you know you do your your bookkeeping right or whatever you're actually going to feel very aggravated by that because you don't get any sense of pride from picking up a aspect of business you had no intention to and trying to be just decent at it you know it, it really is like some people are really good at scheduling and let them let them do their work you know let them do their art in that respect the other thing i wanted to ask you is uh, when it comes to training people uh, about cyanide and happiness do you have a bible or anything that you created that says like hey you know never do this make sure that you know things go this way if this is the scenario or whatever does that exist yeah absolutely it's got you know we have a uh character bible that has 
everything, like how to properly do turnarounds. I, they're very basic stick figures for the most part, but uh, considering that they're, you know, got such a marshmallow body shape and then, you know, how you fully rotate them, how if they're facing, you know, three fourths away from the camera, how do you show the side of their mouth and their eyes and stuff? So, yeah, we do have that. That helps people get into the style. And then um, some people come in and uh, we've had, you know, animators come in who add a bit more to it or change it up and make it, uh, you know, just kind of add a bit of bit of flavor to, to certain things like uh, the style of the background art might be different from what we usually do. And then we move over to kind of that better standard and allowing allowing artists to have it, input and suggestions. They're staring, you know, animation takes a long time. They're staring at things for hours. You know, if uh, if I write and if I write a script and storyboard it, I'm not going to be pouring over it every millisecond of it the way they are. So they they could have some really good ideas along the way. Yeah, the, the input is helpful. We also have uh, a Bible of characters and recurring characters and just background characters that we've used a lot, things of that nature too. It reminds me of uh, there's uh, some guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but some old Simpsons animator will occasionally post this stuff from back in the day from like 1988 or 89 or whatever that will show some of like the do's and don'ts and it's so fascinating to me to see you know Bart drawn like straight on and he looks really weird and it'll say like never yeah. draw Bart like this <laughs> yeah. his nose going straight down and he's yeah. just dead stare right at the camera yeah so good I love when people catch those moments where they do accidentally break those rules and they show how visually jarring that is the king the king of the hill has a uh the king of the hill production and some of the the character bibles uh for that are surprisingly good uh the ones mike judge made and they're entertaining to even read just because of the way he you know says never do this and explains like you know this makes them this you know will give them banana fingers or however but it's a good one to go through too i love digging through that kind of stuff i noticed and you uh, have what was uh, it Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, sorry. Go on, Kevin. Oh, no, um, you. Uh, what I wanted to bring up was um, a, a few months back, you posted a painting, I think, of your dog. Was it your dog? And it was amazing. That was my mother's dog. Your yeah. mother's dog. Oh, it thank was you. This amazing painting. And all I've seen from you is Cyanide and Happiness, which is literally stick figures. And meanwhile, you are an incredibly accomplished artist. Is it weird to not be able to flex that like do you want to flex that more like or, or no uh, every once in a while i mean yeah on occasion just because like there's they're like cyanide happiness and then something kind of a bit more technical they're both fun in different ways they're fun to draw like the actual action of drawing them and um yeah i i like same with same with uh dave and rob um especially dave dave's a painter as well and he can draw really well but there's something fun about it's it's the humility thing um like matt mentioned earlier like we know we can draw well but there's something kind of um fun and therapeutic and important about drawing something poorly and getting it out there and yeah you know it's more of an exercise of writing than it is of art most of the time with cnh but um, you know, it's actually kind of a known creative exercise that if you're in a bit of a, a slump or you have a uh, writer's block um, to 
just make something shitty with no edits. Don't go back and change anything and just run through it. Um, it helps you not overthink and overanalyze the thing that you're working on um, seriously. You know what I mean? And um, but thank you. I appreciate that about uh, the painting and stuff. I remember, Kevin, you and I had a great exchange about how George Bush taught me how to paint dogs. And <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'm a huge art fan, man. That's like all I follow on Instagram. I don't know if people don't really know yes, that man. about me, but I, uh, a huge, huge, huge art fan. It just blows me away. I find it mad. It sounds so like fawning and lame, but I find it to be like magic. Like I look at paintings and I look at digital paintings and illustrations and I just am in awe. I'm like, I don't know how you did that at all. And I actually feel this way a lot of, (laughs) this is so weird about a lot of architecture too. Like I get blown away by walking through like an arena and just looking up at all like the pipes and stuff in the ceiling. And I'm like, yo, Okay, Matt and I went were, were on a nuclear submarine last summer, and it was yeah, the most wow. insane thing ever. No matter where you looked in that submarine, you're like, I, I can't believe this is real. Like, who did this? Right. I, I, I sound like a, a fangirl fawning over <laughs> like a K-pop artist or something, but that's genuinely how I feel about stuff like that, when like human ingenuity is so beyond my... Uh, understanding of how we develop something like that it just like breaks my brain oh absolutely like just when the it's all the geometry and then the fact that there's a feeling of composition to it and stuff i you know i couldn't understand that either because it's such a it's such a technical and um i don't know i i know it's kind of inaccurate but it's kind of a technical left-brained way to make something like really pretty and intricate and also functional. I, yeah, it's amazing. I can agree with that. Now that's thinking about the inside of the submarine there. It truly was everywhere you looked was endlessly complex. So f- there would be just this little wall for something. And for whatever reason, there are 27 things plugged into it with wires going to seemingly nothing. <laughs> they obviously have a purpose. You know, like (laughs) there's, uh, they're not just like stapling wires to the wall, but it's (laughs) impossible to know what's actually going on. And that, that would be in like one square foot that you looked at, uh, you take one more step and then it's a new thing. And it was, uh, it, it was just this incredibly complex combination of, uh, functionality of design because it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, really nutty. You know, it, it was perfect. It was like those satisfying uh, compilations of like, you know, cable management that's beautiful. Uh, right. All of uh, all of that stuff for every inch of it. And and that is the same thing on, on buildings. Uh, it's the same thing on web comics, to be honest, you know. Um, there's a, I, I like a lot of the simple ones. You know, I like the style that you guys do. Um, toothpaste for dinner is another oh, favorite of choice. mine. Yeah, yeah, Drew, is excellent. Drew is amazing, and then Married to the Sea, which I think he yeah. he did with his wife. Um, mm-hmm. That's right. Those are other examples of it. Yeah, uh, Natalie D. Is that her name? Yeah, Natalie D. She had her own comic series for a long time too. Yeah, they're a super group, mm-hmm. and yeah, they just oh, they do so many things, um, and it's crazy. Just you know, they're good at everything that they're doing out there and doing it daily. Yeah, super good. But the, the, what impresses me about it is the the 
pants. Pants. <laughs> Simplicity. <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't know pants? Where do we? I've sent you pants. Uh, pants Have always you? does like one panel comics. Um, one oh. of one oh, of oh yeah yeah. One of them that was really funny <laughs> is a, a guy uh, staring at a huge canvas uh, with two little circles on it, and his butt cheeks have paint dripping from them. And that's the whole comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his drawing style is so good too. I love it. See, that's one of the what kind of what I was mentioning earlier, where I just love when it's an absurd snapshot into a moment, and then your brain tries to figure out how do we get here. That stuff kills me. Well, what, what all of these people do so well, and uh, I, I think of Good Bear Comics, which isn't hugely popular, but it should be. Um, one exploded on on Twitter. Uh, I got the coveted Wang retweet, which was which was awesome. But it was just a couple panels where uh, a guy's looking, or a guy, Ash from Pokemon, is looking at a lineup of Pokemon. He says, Pikachu, I choose you. And it zooms out and shows that it's a, a Pokemon brothel. Right. Um, I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. And so when I think about what you do, I think about Good Bear, uh, Natalie D and Drew Toothpaste. Um, it's it's nailing this absolute simplicity. You know, it's right. it's like finding exactly the right note and then hitting that note. Do you think it's harder since Kevin, you know, is talking about uh, amazingly detailed paintings that you can do and you can clearly go in that direction? Which is harder? Uh, making something that is incredibly complex or reducing a thing down to absolute simplicity? Um, I would say there's more to risk when the more complex it is, um, not just from for the person viewing it, but uh, also for you and your creative process um, with, you know, since we're doing gag strips, uh, it's kind of like the hardest part about it is you're, you know, it's it's not dissimilar from stand up comedy, aside from the fact that you you're not working on a joke and telling it over and over and improving on it. You're tossing it out there and, you know, um, with with no authority over do they get it? Can I make these changes or anything like that? And so it's very much like kind of almost just the workshop step and. I think that also a lot of a lot of webcomic artists have the ability to do um, what we do. But uh, I do I do notice that a lot of webcomic artists can get in a rut where they I don't know, maybe it's not a rut, but they just get so ton uh, they get tunnel vision on making, you know, showing off their drawing skills. And that's the more important part than the writing or the story or the joke or the progression. Um, sometimes it is so based on the art that the the writing can take a back seat and for at least for us and uh you know there's more minimalistic gag strips um those were not really around very much when we first started and the the breaking something technical down and summarizing it is a good way uh to I, it, it kind of just you know takes you down so you're you're not uh uh, yeah, I guess just to have some humility about it and and kind of see it in a looser framework. Uh, I just kind of see a lot of people chase their own tails because they yeah, uh, like just about every artist I know has these rituals that they do when they're drawing it. And they're things that nobody will notice, notice or see or understand. But it's like important to do that. Um, and for me, uh, 
especially with uh, drawing more detailed stuff, I kind of like to draw uh, a lot of horror, a lot of uh, dark kind of artwork that is like photorealistic in a way. And that's kind of my escape in a lot of ways. If I had to do it regularly and as a job, it would definitely like you got to be careful that it doesn't become a negative thing in your brain or a stress or anything like that. You got to figure out your ways to make sure you're having fun and you're doing it because you want to. Absolutely. Uh, But between the two, I would say people who are going through that stress of just overanalyzing themselves and being very serious and detailed and trying to make it, uh, you know, I really want it's it's like you'll see this with directors who write their own movies. They're really they know what shots they want to shoot and then they'll try to write a story to fulfill that for them so they can get to those shots they want to shoot at those locations. And, uh, you know, that could work for some things, but I think it's a little artistically backwards, Um, especially if you really like kind of are putting some effort into the writing or respect it. I heard that Batman and Superman suffered from that where Zack Snyder basically just comes up with shots that he thinks look epic (laughs) and then tries to make a movie out of that and it's like okay right like epic shot bro but this movie sucks (laughs) exactly well if you watch a lot of college films and stuff where people are kind of a bit more amateur but starting to get like the real equipment and and uh tools to kind of make their thing they uh like i it's very few art uh writers and directors of film that can really pull that off well where they they treat the the script and everything as its own art. They treat the shots as its own art and the lighting and everything. Like Guillermo del Toro, he's one I really admire. Um, he manages to do that, but it's yeah, you can definitely you can definitely see that be tried a lot. And you know, it's tough. It works for like a noir film, I think. <laughs> but if you're just like, oh, I know this creepy old house, and I know this shot where the window comes in, and then you're trying to write just to get there, it's a, it's a little backwards. Yeah. Where can we see your horror uh, art? Do you share that? Um, I share some of it. I need to consolidate it a bit better. But um, I guess one place is you can find them trickling in on my Instagram every now and then um, at Chris Explosum. It, uh, you know, I I haven't done some lately because I've been sleeping well. Uh, I have pretty bad insomnia <laughs> and something that helps me get sleepy is kind of working on those mm-hmm. uh, drawings and digital paintings because it's a lot of like you're zoomed in and it's really almost repetitive and it, it kind of hypnotizes me and gets me sleepier which uh um you know it, it not not trying to be a weird spooky goth boy when i say i like drawing horror to get sleepy but <laughs> i definitely want to do more um i definitely want to do more and we've talked about the idea of you know we have some great ideas and stuff that we want to do that are a mixture of you know like cyanide and happiness looks very silly and friendly on the surface and then it's also very dark and can be very depressing at the same time and allow us to surprise people and we've talked about trying the other way around where we do horror that surprises you with the silly humor and stuff like that and and yeah it's kind of a flipping of the coin kind of the same exercise in a different way but yeah i'd love to do more in the future just gotta gotta get to it well speaking of horror you mentioned Artists have rituals. So aside from like sacrificing a goat, you know, tossing Eye of Newt into a cauldron, that sort of thing. Right. What is it? What, what are some examples of artist rituals? Because I've never heard of this before. I didn't know that was a thing. Right. 
uh, especially for people when they're drawing. Um, and I've noticed um, from, you know, just several people that we've met as well that, you know, it's a dumb thing that I do for the comics um, that my wife just loves making fun of me for. Like, I'll draw the arms and legs over and over so many times and I'll draw it one way and then just control Z and then I'll draw it again and it'll be exactly the same. But my my brain will be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's the one. And it doesn't matter. Um, it's not anything people would notice. Like some people will sketch out their entire comic on paper and it'll look pretty much identical than if they just drew it digitally, but they need to do it. They need to do that step before just to feel better. Some people just write out all the text in their comic first and then pour over that and pour over where the text is located on the comic and everything. And it's it's rituals like that. Some people have strange ones where they draw the inside of the facial expression before they draw the outside. And a lot of people kind of give themselves these habits that uh, it's it can feel like a little uh, fish out of water if you don't have those habits to lean on. And yeah, it can come, it can come in a lot of different ways for sure. You talk about uh, hitting con- control Z on a thing uh, and, and then doing it exactly the same. I, uh, it, Andre APM is in the chat right now and he, he does art streams on Twitch and I am not an artist. I can draw nothing at all. Right. I, I work in uh, geometry and, and trigonometry. That's, that's how I see almost everything. Right. So I can't draw anything. So I'm, I'm, I love hearing from the people who do when it's people like you and psychic pebbles. Um, I love this. So I like watching APM streams. It's, uh, with, with all sorts of things that he's drawing. And that's something that I noticed is that I'll be watching this and I'll see him do, uh, lines on, on a character and then uh, you know, back it up and do it again and back it up and do it again. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, come on, man, like th- three of these four things were exactly the same. Right. How does this, how does this work? What are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Yeah. And he says, uh, no in the chat, you know, capital letters. No, <laughs> no. you know, I know that he's seeing something that I'm not, you know, and yeah. that's fascinating to me. Um, I, I love knowing that <laughs> I'm witnessing a process. It's almost like a book in a foreign language. Like, oh yeah, I I know there are words on this page. I just can't understand any of them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Hey, I'm the same way. Like, hey, that's how I feel about geometry and architecture. Like, even even with drawing, I I am so absolutely terrible with uh, interior perspective and. And I've put in the practice and I've tried to get better and better and better and better. But it's just it's something that, you know, I am uh, I don't have the the natural eye for for sure. But, yeah, I think that's where people they're defining their styles. I think I think when a lot of people say no, that, you know, like you'll see people just doing the line art to a drawing that they did and they'll do a good one. It seems right like it's right on their sketch of that line and they'll redo it. And I think that's how people are like really find their their style is those kind of nitpicky things that they say it has to be this way or it has to be in this order. Um, I have so many more questions for you. I can't believe we're almost like have 50 <laughs> minutes gone by, but um, so I really want to start hitting some of this stuff. Whoa, yeah, lightning round if we have to. Light, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So one of the big questions I have is I really want to kind of go back to the beginning of the conversation and better understand 
how it is you are able to work with your partners on all of these different projects. Like, do you assign, is one person like really into the game and, and, and that guy's like, I'm going to take on like the game. You guys trust me. You can like chime in when you want to. Um, but it has to go something that like this, right? Because you can't all be signing off on every single step of the process on 97 tremendously different projects. Right. Well, you absolutely nailed it. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's exactly like that. Like one person is more focused on like, a, you can, you know, be like, hey, I'm going to run this line of merch. And it is very much like step in if you have any input or any say. Um, and, you know, we're also just talking a lot anyway. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, like, that oh, would be really cool to do a flip book or something like that. And then one person will be like, you know, I, I can make that happen. And uh, we know our strengths and the fact that there's three of us, you know, we make a pretty good triangle of helping each other where we fall short. And um, yeah, it absolutely can't be three of us telling some poor animator three different, you know, three completely different set of notes or something that would be that would be bad for everyone. And um, yeah, so it's from behind the scenes with Rob, Dave and I, it's very kind of 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 conversational. And then, um, yeah, if one person is just kind of a shoe in to do something like for me, the for, for me, it's Freak Apocalypse, the video game. I'm very much the person spearheading that. And uh, while I'm doing that, you know, um, Rob can work on a card game idea he's working on and and Dave can direct a show or start a new project on YouTube. So, yeah, yeah, I think you kind of nailed it right off the bat. Well, I figured it had to be that way because it just made no sense to me when I'm looking through all these projects and I'm like, okay, so three guys are doing like nine things. It, it, <laughs> it doesn't add up. It's it's so ridiculous. But but speaking of projects and forgive me if you have gone down this road and I don't know about it, but a lot of this is so kind of mysterious to me, even finding out information um, that I just have to ask, like TV show, movie, what, what, have you have you gone down either of those roads? Have you thought about it? I mean, you must have been approached by networks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been approached by networks. We've approached networks um, back in, I, think, I believe, around 2010. We were on the Comedy Central production slate as well. Um, but uh, we chose to withhold and and build our own thing on the Internet and kind of stay true to... Um, like our roots when it comes to that. That was a good idea. We have, <laughs> that worked out. <laughs> I think so. I mean, we didn't think TV was going to keep going. And there, there, is a, there is a level of um, authenticity, though, if you make it onto TV. And I think people still understand and respect that. Uh, but we kind of wanted to be a little crazier and more experimental. And we didn't want if, you know, if the Cyanine Happiness show on a, on a network failed, we didn't want to lose any opportunity to still do it on the internet and be crazy about it um and we've had uh we've had shows that are non they're not cyanide and happiness related that we've made we've either made ourselves or produced others um uh, uh one of our shows called purgatoni ended up is uh either it's and it's run ended recently but it was on sci-fi and um we've definitely been in talks with people about movies and and stuff like that we made uh four seasons of a show but that was mostly uh streaming networks like verve 
uh, VRV and um, and things of that nature. But yeah, we we always like want to make something for television. It just has to be in kind of the right way, the right setting. We don't want someone to just come up and say, that's a nice cyanide and happiness you got there. It'd be a shame if someone uh, <laughs> took half of it and put it on the internet at a bad time or put on TV at a bad time slot. And, you know, just then it becomes fighting over who owns it and stuff like that. We we don't we don't want to mess with that. We want to just like do it pure, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't think people realize that when you sell a TV show, you sell the thing, right? It's yeah. no longer yours. Yeah. It's like if yep. you sell your car, you can't have half of the car back. You sold it. Right. That person who bought the car now owns your car. It's no longer your car. And if your car I just like is cyanide and happiness, seat. then you can't drive it <laughs> right. anymore. It's like, dude, you sold that thing. Right. <laughs> I was trying to explain this to somebody about a week ago um, because Kevin and I were talking about the differences from uh, TV to web to whatever and, and the way the ownership plays out on things. And yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody who's not in media at all. And I was struggling to explain it decently and yeah, I just wasn't getting anywhere. And then I eventually just said like, you know how, when you go to the grocery store and buy bread, it stops being their bread and now it's yours. (laughs) 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 I just spent five minutes trying to explain that concept, but that's, that's really pretty much what happens when you sell the TV show. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. You might, they might send you a slice, um, annually (laughs) (laughs) imagine sarah lee just barges into your kitchen and like makes a pb and j and it's like what (laughs) (laughs) oh you don't remember i still i still have uh three years of licensing rights to your bread so i own 10 percent of this loaf uh which you know is (laughs) about two pb and j's so i don't understand what the problem is um i also uh, take it and sell it (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) break into your house and and uh, sell it to the the neighbors. Sell yeah. the spinoff. Sell some toast. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, the other thing I really wanted to hit before I forget, I just wrote down TikTok effect on my notes here because when you were talking about uh, the reason this made so much sense to me and why I think our listeners can learn from it is when you were talking about how did you put it? You were essentially saying like you should do a quick and dirty rough draft version or like the simplest, cheapest oh, shit, shit post like, something, make something that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I call it shit posting for like overly for precious about a thing, like make, make it the worst you can and just kind of put it out there. The reason I wrote down TikTok effect is because, um, we've been making TikToks for, uh, Vsauce two and nice. that has really changed I know, Matt, your perspective on what we should be doing on YouTube, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it's yeah, I can like TikTok is a very great example about that Um, because nobody's trying to, I guess, in most cases, they're not trying to like overproduce a TikTok. You know what I mean? They're not trying to put too much into it. It's kind of the spontaneity and uh, ridiculousness of a lot of them that is why it's fun to do or why people find it fun to watch. It it always just, it always reminds me of a great quote uh, from Syriac that I think about almost daily. Uh, 
he said success in art is when you make a bunch of stupid shit while you wait people to wait for people to like your real shit and then you find out that your real shit is your stupid shit <laughs> and i think that holds true i think that holds true i think it's even works for musicians it works for in so many fields it's like the tom petty thing there was a uh, behind i think it was behind the music on tom petty and he was talking about how he wrote free fallen and supposedly, you know, whatever album Free Falling is on, which is, you know, probably his most famous song, he, they were taking a break during recording, like sitting out back by the pool or whatever. And Tom Petty just starts making up like a purposefully dumb song. Mm-hmm. And wh- whomever was producing that album was like, whoa, 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 wait, what is that song? Like, you haven't played this song for me before. And Tom Petty's like, it's nothing. It's garbage. I was just... And he's like, no, right. no, 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 it's not garbage. That's the song. Like, keep working on that song. Let's record it. And that ended up being Free Fallen, which is, you know, one of the most famous like pop songs of all time. Right. I think we saw this with Twitter as well, where the confines of that platform, especially when it was just the 140 characters, um, you couldn't do a lot. You can't do a lot now, but you could do even less back in the day. And you think about people like mm-hmm. like Carson who have... Uh, just i don't know what number he's at now in terms of followers but um over a million i think you know, he has yeah yeah he hit a million i think when we talked to him uh, he just hit that um but yeah i mean you can't sit down and spend four or five hours writing a tweet it's just not going to work that way you dash the right. thing off uh you know you give it a few seconds of thought and do it and for him it revealed it revealed a pattern of comedic genius uh, if, right. you know, if his platform had been, uh, I don't know, like onion articles, like it was 20 years yeah, ago, like you know, writing like fake something. op-eds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, would that have, would that have shown through? I bet it wouldn't have. I'm not saying that he's not capable of writing a 750 word piece. That's very funny, but right. I bet he got a whole lot more mileage out of just blasting out a bunch of really dumb things that turned out to be really awesome and i feel like tiktok uh is is the same with video um you know i feel like the the shorter form things uh where you know you got a couple frames in a cnh thing uh you know it's 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 not like you cut your teeth on 200 page graphic novels right would that have worked out the same way Uh, i don't know you you would probably know but my guess is it wasn't not from my perspective because like there's it's a give and take where um you know, if you're if you're th- there's got to be at least a sense of how people s- see something on the outside of it while you're working on uh, something. Otherwise, you could end up in this area where you're doing it j- for just your own sake. And it's a bit more uh, masturbatory than it would normally be. It'd be a little less, uh, you know, like I think people when they see something that's kind of just for fun and silly and loose, I think they understand that feeling like that, you know, made in the garage or the backyard kind of feeling and the lack of seriousness for it, um, I, I think really resonates with people. And I mean, with that Tom Petty analogy, when I first when I made my first 20 or 30 CNH script, uh, three the CNH comics, I uh didn't show them to anybody. I didn't even show them to my friends in person. I just thought it was my this stupid shit that only I would laugh at, and I draw it. I was drawing it with a laser mouse, and um, it just was like meant to be shitty. 
It was meant to be shitty and be understanding that it was shitty. And for me, it was Rob and Dave who came in and said, no, what's this? This is great. Um, and, you know, it probably wouldn't really have come to surface if if, uh, if that wasn't the case. You know what a gift it is to be able to make something that you think only you think will be as funny and other people find funny? Because let me tell you, there are a lot of things that I think are really funny and no one else does. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I am the only person who thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely with you there. I mean, that still happens. That still absolutely happens. There's lots of times. And I mean, when all of us, all three of us are often surprised that a certain Joker animation will be popular and then be like, but why isn't this one? This one makes me laugh. Uh, for blank and blank reason, and it did okay. Um, but also, I gotta, I can't trust, I can't trust that voice in my head. I, I definitely have imposter syndrome. So it, it's almost kind of freeing because nobody can be more critical of me than I am. So, uh, but it also means that when people say, "Oh, this is like when something gets really popular," I'm just like, "Oh, pff, that it, it shouldn't be. I, I don't know why it is, you know." And you just, there's no winning there. So. Uh, yeah, you got. I think that taking the dive is really important. Like we're very used to uh, that feeling of like with any art, it's never it's never finished. You'll just work on it forever. But some things are done, you know, and you should just kind of let it go and let other people have uh, their own relationship with whatever you put out. And so we definitely have become uh, very versed in that taking the dive and taking risks and just throwing it out there and. Uh, you know, that helps. Yeah. Well, especially you guys make so much stuff too. It's not like, you know, sometimes on Vsauce, it, it takes so long to put a video together. It's like, well, this one better be good. <laughs> but, right. you know, it, yeah. it would be nice, yeah, to be able to um, just hit some singles now and then to use a baseball analogy or even just some like <laughs> make some bunts and not always have to swing for How the fences. <laughs> How about a base on balls, Kevin? How about that? Yeah, just get get <laughs> How about a walk. We do we exercise some disciplined hitting and uh, take a few pitches. Mm-hmm. I would I would absolutely love to see what the what you know that shit post version of a Vsauce episode would be. You know what I mean? Like almost anti Vsauce kind of take. It might be an interesting exercise, even if it was just something you have for yourself to look at. Yeah, yeah. The you know, with with have Kevin too, I, I want to jump in. There you go. Yeah, I want to jump in and analyze Kevin on this one because the contrast between Kevin's Twitter feed and Vsauce 2 videos is probably the greatest contrast that I can think of of any online creator that I follow. It's like <laughs> it's it, it's like if there is some Nobel Prize winning novelist, you know, he he wins the the prize in literature and then you find out that Eh, I don't know, a couple hours a day, you know, he drives down the interstate, goes into a rest stop and like writes insults on the bathroom wall. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> That's the rift between Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Lieber's Vsauce 2 and at Kevin Lieber. <laughs> right. I tried to picture like George Orwell writing insults on a bathroom wall. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's freeing to be able to try to come up with the dumbest thing possible in, yeah. in, in a contrast of trying to come up with the smartest thing possible. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just kind it of like really a mental exercise. You of, 
Yeah, it's that feeling of doing something, but there being less risk because you're not sitting there overly respecting it. And I think it helps you get into that headspace. It helps you work out that muscle in your brain to just kind of uh, ride it and enjoy something when you're making it and trust yourself. I also just like stupid things. Um, Same. You know what I mean? And not, and I don't know what you call it, If it, but it's like crafted stupidity, maybe. I don't know if yeah. there's a... Oh, yeah. I really love crafted stupidity, like like here, like thinking of something that's so dumb that I haven't heard anybody else say before. Uh, like today, um, I did a tweet about burnt, like drinking burnt water. Uh, that's really stupid, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that's really funny. Like the idea of burning water uh, and that giving off yeah. a flavor that's like disgusting um, is yeah. so stupid. Tell, like. I love that. Like your a waiter brings you water and you take a sip and you go, oh, uh, my water's burnt <laughs> and give it back to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even that, you like, if you slammed it down, <laughs> you're like, this is medium. I asked for medium rare and you just slam it down on the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted my waters lightly toasted, not burnt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um. We have to go to questions, but before we get to um, questions from our patrons, I wanted to say all of this is so amazing and and happy and great and uh, encouraging. I, I want to ask you what sucks, because a lot of the time on this podcast, we talk about things that are grievances or troubles or problems people are having. This whole time has been nothing but like kumbaya, like, like, so right. Chris, like what, what sucks? You know what? It's been too much. <laughs> oh. It's been too much happiness. And I think we need some exactly. cyanide. Oh, well said. There you go. I agree. Hey, oh, hey, yo, <laughs> ring a ding ding. He said it. He said the thing. He said the thing. Yeah. yeah. Poison us. Poison I'm us. I'm getting booed in the okay. chat. I'm getting actual booze. Oh, and I got a 10 out of 10, so it balances out. Good. <laughs> there you go. That means it's uh that means it's a cult classic. So um I would say that yeah, I'm so glad. Oh, thanks for asking. Hey, what sucks? Because this is yeah, let's make this a therapy session. There's lots of lots of things about it that I would say, yeah, like uh, they're uh, not positives. For example, um the fact that we find ourselves in a little bit of a situation where um, people don't know us very well in um, as us personally, because the CNH brand is so recognizable and it's been around for nearly, you know, 16 years. So it's um, it definitely uh, puts us in a situation where, you know, we've fought through uh, several times when we're trying to make something new because we've always been making things new. Uh, it hasn't always been all CNH all the time. Uh, we've done stuff on the side for the very beginning and trying new ideas and things of that nature. It's how we ended up with like the card game and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you'll get a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, just stick to just stick to the comics. And they were telling us that when we were making uh, weekly animations on YouTube, I've been told, you know, you know, with music or art or anything, there's people who say, oh, just stick to the comics, just stick to them. And it's actually, you know, that's if they're actually fans of the comic, that's a terrible, terrible idea. Um, and not not to mention, you know, we work on every holiday and uh, there's um, there's a level of 
you know, it can be really uncomfortable letting letting go of the reins on certain things or things being beneath, you know, your expectation or your vision, but you do have to kind of just let it work. And I definitely say that Rob, Dave and I um, have to we just kind of have to take the effort to uh, make sure that we don't, you know, uh we were making we never try to be offensive, but we found out that we're offensive just by <laughs> people letting us know. And, um, you know, there uh, we have to be mindful that we are also like kind of um, keeping people's, uh, you know, working and their lives together. And we don't uh, we normally in the past, we would be a lot more Wild West on the Internet. But now we have to be a little bit more cordial. So we don't uh, endanger the lives of people who didn't do anything like, you know, say we went on some just stupid rant on Twitch that got memed up or something or got shot around. And, you know, we do dark stuff all the time. So I think a lot of people expect that from us. But if there ever was something in like a cancel culture way or uh, just doing a project that is too big and flops and everything, you know, we got, we we're considering more than ourselves now, which can be, um, difficult more personally. I, I don't think it bleeds into the creativity at all. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that. Um, it, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, when we first got into web comics, we met up at San Diego comic-con, there were a lot of like grandfathers of web comics there at the time. And, uh, Something else I would say is kind of a negative thing is people will have an opinion on us before they've even met us or, you know, see what we look like or even know our names. And when we first got into web comics, there was definitely some people who had been web in web comics a little longer who just immediately hated our guts <laughs> as soon as we as soon as we showed up on the scene. And uh, because we were, I guess, kind of deconstructing web comics and shit posting and and doing that kind of stuff. And they're like, hey, I draw every day and I draw really well and work really hard. Why the hell are people paying attention to that? And, you know, um, I definitely say that there's some artists that I really admire who, uh, don't, who absolutely hate what we do, which, uh, <laughs> like I under, I understand on their behalf, but it's also like, man, it's a, it's, it's demotivational when you are meeting people that you've enjoyed their work for your whole life. And then they're just like, ah, right. Oh, that thing. Ooh, the scribbly <laughs> stick to your comics, huh? <laughs> okay. So that's, I'd say that's some of the negativity, but I could keep going, man. I could, I could, I could definitely make given, this like a this therapy session. <laughs> well, given all the offensive stuff and some of the reactions to that and some of the past things, why haven't you been canceled? Is that a legitimate question to ask? Well, I think people know that we're, we do it in a way that isn't malicious. We don't target people. And um, also, I think that we try to keep things not, you know, it doesn't chase the headlines. It has a better shelf life if it's if it's kind of an isolated joke. And I think that we do kind of um, we do. I, I think the the humor is so vast. It could be really dark. It could be really depressing the next day. It could be funny the next day and then it could be sweet the day after that. And I think now it's, I think, you know, because humor, especially dark humor, it's so important to know the context of who's saying it. You know, I think like, uh, um, people are going to be aware of George Carlin and the type of comedy he would do. But if it's, you know, 
just your cousin at a family reunion saying that you might not be able to trust that he's trying to be funny. He's, he's trying to do a joke. And I think that that trusting the source in which it ca- comes from has a lot to do with the context of something. And I think people just realize that, like, you know, realize what we're going for. Before we um, go to question, uh, go to our patrons questions. Are there, is there anybody that you'd be willing to say who you looked up to, who, who like looked down upon you because they found out that <laughs> who, who took a massive CNH? shit on you? Can you detail <laughs> yeah. this, please? <laughs> um yeah i'll 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 name a name because he is so brazen about hating us that it's like how could you how could you not um scott kurtz who did pvp uh player versus player it's a web comic about video games it's been going on since i believe 97 um he uh he absolutely did not like us i remember him even having a megaphone at the comic convention and we had a pretty long line and he had his megaphone up to, trying to convince people to leave our line to go to his table <laughs> his empty table because you know we sucked at all this and stuff like that and i was 17 you know i was 17 just so excited to, <laughs> to even meet people who read my comics and uh, <laughs> um so as a way to kind of almost passive aggressively get him back uh, after he did that, uh, and the con uh, was the convention was ending that day, I went up and told him that he was a big inspiration, and I don't think I would be there without him. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that digs into his skin, and I think he hates that. And yeah, uh, isn't that but, a bit of a self own to have to like megaphone <laughs> to people, not to be over there, come over to to me, like have to do that, right? Come yeah, over to me, and there's yeah. like. Two people standing at his booth, kind of There's just of standing around. It. It is, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I, well, I mean, it was kind of a nice experience because I, um, I love the like all the kind of newer web comics that have come out of the last ten years, and we've been able to treat we've been able to know better and kind of treat people well. And now there's like a much friendlier kind of web comics community from some of the newer stuff. And part of why we keep wanting to expand with explosive and animation and even with the YouTube side of things is we want to kind of provide an umbrella. So, um, to kind of get people boosted without having to deal with the same stop gaps that we had. So we kind of want to, uh, help people be in a more, uh, clear direction with that kind of stuff and, you know, spread it on, have more people make more stuff. Yeah. But, uh, that's one I'll name just because he's Scott Kurtz has been so brazen about it. Yeah. I love that story. You're like, that story taught me not to be a jealous jerk. <laughs> like, right. it's, it, it should be obvious. Like it's, that's such uh, over the top, like, like eighties comedy movie villain kind of thing to do. Like something straight out of revenge of the nerds. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Don't go to the nerd's booth. Come to our booth. We're the jocks. I'm the store quarterback. I'm attractive. I have the cheerleader girlfriend. Why are you paying attention to the nerds? Yeah, fuck these nerds. We're out of here. Let's go, everyone. And then everyone, let's go. Come on. Not, guys? not with these losers, and we're guys? kind of we're kind of in a, yeah, guys, guys. And then one anybody? by one, they peel off and join the nerds, and you're like, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, tell me more about this nerdy shit. You know, <laughs> they're not even listening to them anymore. And 
if someone has a megaphone at their booth and they're, you know, saying that our comic sucks and it looks like shit, we're like, yeah, we know. We that was our goal. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> we were making fun of ourselves first. You can't really beat us to that. So it who didn't brings a megaphone kinda, to begin with to anything? Who's a like tiny megaphone too? <laughs> Better pack my <laughs> megaphone in case those cyanide and happiness nerds show up so I can tell the crowd who the real cool webcomic artist is. Right. Me. They'll, they'll hear how how loud and cool I am and they'll immediately want to come talk to me because I'm just... I will sway them with the amplitude of my voice. <laughs> Shouting and echoing through the arena that I am the yeah, one true and... webcomic <laughs> all others there will be no bef- none before me for i and am the true <laughs> video game web comic the alpha and the omega <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm the police and the crime in web comics town <laughs> population one just yeah, me population one but i'm looking for more population <laughs> so come on over i have a megaphone and cupcakes. I'm very approachable. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing says approachable like a megaphone. <laughs> yeah, loudly yelling at people that what they like sucks. <laughs> it's a great persuasion technique. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's very gorilla. It's helpful. Um, <laughs> Definitely Matt, had balls have, for that move. Do we have I gotta uh, commend que- Matt. questions for Chris? <laughs> We do. We have a lot of questions. So uh, lately we've been grabbing people for the show who have been requested for a long time. And that means that uh, we have a lot of questions because your your name has popped up for so long in the, the guest request section. You've got, you got a lot of Simpson stands out there who oh, very much yeah, wanted yeah. this day to happen. Uh, so oh, it does man. mean a bunch Couldn't of really good questions too. Yeah, like so. The usual questions that are things like, "Which do you prefer, pee pee or poo poo?" You didn't get any of those. These are all real questions. Okay. Oh wow, great! Um, A real sense with <laughs> yeah. real questions. So it is time for substance. Uh, all right, bring the beef. <laughs> oh God. I I just scrolled up the Kino Corner, who is uh, obsessed with cinema. His question is: Have you seen Cuties? This is the Netflix no, film cuties. cuties that is so much in the news. I, you know, so many people have I. tore it apart and analyzed it that I get it. I don't need to watch it. I did see it it's crack a, the top five of, of movies uh, on trending on Netflix. So somebody is out there watching it. It's just not us. I, I would assume that's a little intentional. I think this is intentional on Netflix's <laughs> behalf. And I think they wanted controversy. I think that was a Hail Mary they were going for. It sounds like uh, anything, uh, if anything, it sounds like it was uh, really bad directing and editing and it's just kind of bad art. So I think when people rise up and yell at, you know, bad art who kind of doesn't really nail the uh, touchy message like that, I think that's what uh, public outrage is for, right? Like they didn't do anything illegal, but people can say, hey, don't do that. Jesus. That's an amazing perspective on that that I hadn't heard, though. And I really I really think that that is true yeah that at the end of the day it's bad art it's bad art that's it's a more of a it's more of a public crime so people can go boo it is not um, kino yeah not kino, not kino. <laughs> i'm non-plus about it oh <laughs> well let's let's go to a uh uh a less 
somber, I suppose, question. Isaac, um, Isaac wanted to ask about board games. So he said, er, he asked, how do you and the team develop the board games from ideas to physical concepts and play testing and all the things that that go into that? Uh, and if there's anything really important to share with people who want to make physical games Great in question. the future. Yeah, yeah super That's good question. Good yeah, if you look at something like Joking Hazard, that started as a an experiment that we did on our website. We made something called a random comic generator where we just made a bunch of uh, jokes with three panels that you could randomize and shuffle around and lock. And uh, we were having such a good time when we were building that that uh, we were kind of spending all day sending each other combinations of the random comic generator instead of getting our work done. And uh, we were like, ah, yes, we've built our perfect replacement this <laughs> this randomized comic creator and then we kind of like looked at that as a as a as a physical game um because we wanted you know like part of it was we wanted to kind of try things with more like rules and and expanding upon it and how could you play this with a group where there's a winner and stuff like that and uh definitely we definitely do a fair amount of play testing um, there's even card game ideas that we've play tested for years before and changed up and, and altered. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'd, I definitely, I definitely say that some of the most useful things if you're in that situation is, uh, almost like it's kind of like friend, friendly focus testing. Just let people who have never, you know, friends of yours play it together. Don't, don't play it with them, show them how to play it, but just, watch their reactions and their confusion to things and and what they kind of resonate to or the parts they enjoy most and trying to build on that and not being too uh sanctimonious about what it's got to be like this is the game this is the rules joking hazard had a lot of different uh a lot of different approaches we tried out to see what kind of is the more fun more it's like you and you and the people you're with make it fun um Aside from that, it's cards, you know, and I think it opens up to that. It also makes people, you know, like being able to lay down a card you intentionally did and still laugh from the result and everything is like, that's a good sign that we tried to kind of follow. So, yeah, I mean, let people who, you know, don't try to control it, let people play in a natural environment and just observe it. Before we go to the next question, Matt, sorry. I just want to say that Joking Hazard is such a good name. It's it's like Thanks. it's like slightly sometimes when things are so good there's a there's a little portion of me that gets annoyed that it's so good mm-hmm. like does that make oh, sense I thought of that. like a, annoyed is like a weird word to use there because I'm not like mad but but it's well, it feels like, like so, missed opportunity like oh man I, if only I came up with that yeah like I don't I don't even need to like I, there's no reason I need the name joking hazard but it's so good it like hurts you know you know when when people talk about like a baby being so cute they want to like squeeze it yeah it's yeah, that absolutely. feeling it's like that name is so good <laughs> totally. I just want to like crush it <laughs> I think that's also the reaction a lot of people have towards puns in general too where <laughs> it could be like a sucker punch to your brain and you'll be like you know laughing and then saying god damn it afterwards why'd i laugh at that and if anyone has ever tried to name any project before whether it's a podcast or a card game or a youtube channel they'll know how quickly they'll realize how freaking hard it is to come up with a good name for anything 
And when you do finally oh, yeah. land on something, it just feels like the skies parted, you know, the heavens yeah. shone down and gifted you this beautiful name, like Joking Hazard, I think is a great yeah. example of that. So I just wanted to interject there oh, um, and kind of, uh, yeah, kind of- yeah, those uh, moments where everyone looks at each other and just nods. That's it. Like, That's the one. Oh, it's so good. You can feel it in your bones. Yeah. So out of uh, the video games, board games, comics, and videos, you've gone in so many different directions with the Cyanide and Happiness property. Which, which of those kind of strains or verticals has been the most fulfilling for you? And this comes from Conrad 500, which is very much like Conrad 250, but twice as powerful. So, oh, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, we, we banned Conrad's one through 499, but this is the, the latest iteration. Uh, so oh, yeah, I mean, you've done so many of those things. I can't imagine they're all exactly the same for you. As far as fulfilling, um, no, not quite. There can be aspects about them that are more fulfilling than others and, 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 you know, things like this or that, um, so far, I mean, the, the game's been very, uh, the video game's been very rewarding and fulfilling to work on, but it's such a different process um, where you're seeing it in pieces and then you watch the pieces slowly kind of click into place. Um, with uh, the animations, we get to see the, you know, we see it in script form, we see it storyboarded, we see the animatic, we see the full animation, and we see it with sound and music. And so you get to kind of, I don't know, enjoy it more straightforward and uh, can uh, uh, adjust things linearly. I'd say that I'd have to say that um, probably probably working working on the animations is most fulfilling in my eyes, um, just for the sake that, uh, yeah, we spend a month on a month per animation on them and uh, we work ahead. And but what's great about it that I really enjoy is that since we work ahead, we'll write something, we'll pour over it, it'll get animated, we'll watch it and like it, and then it'll be like maybe three weeks until it goes up for everyone to see. And that's enough time to get that feeling of seeing it for the first time as close as you can. You know what I mean? Uh, it's why everyone's their worst critic is because they're they're going to look at the mistakes and stuff. But if for us, it goes away for a little while after we've seen it, and then bam, we put, we're putting it on the internet and seeing how people react to it. There's something that's it's very rewarding about that um, because of just the the time it takes to kind of almost forget about it and then have that feeling of oh man, I, it's the closest you can get to seeing it for the first time, and I think that's that's super rewarding. It feels like you're getting to watch it with a group, and yeah, that's that's what's most rewarding. Uh, for me right now, um, you know, maybe here in two years, it'll be something else. Like, oh, As yeah, we go really got into with, Broadway musicals. Oh. The Sinai and Happiness Broadway musical is really fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't imagine. But as you do all the stuff, you, you've got to make some decisions based on on the business. And this was uh, the, the last uh, part of, of Conrad's question, which is, um, you know, these these things have different profit margins. And that's a that's a, a reality when you're talking about keeping 24 people gainfully employed with the health insurance and all those things that you were talking about. So what about when you look at at books compared to you know, videos and comics on that, that sustainable revenue side. So the question is, um, 
how do I how do we look at the the sustainable re- revenue side? How does that affect things? Yeah, I mean, it, do you kind of prefer doing one thing over another with that, or do you do you try to balance it out? Uh, you know, to to keep you know really keep everything flowing on that business side. Right. Yeah. Um, the we've you know since the very beginning the the nature of doing what we do like you know just digital media on the internet is you got to kind of you you can't guess the weather you know you can't guess the weather with how digital media will change or add revenue or censorship or anything like that you, you can't guess it but you can you know you can try to steer through it and so we try to premeditate and l- try to detect trends before they happen and things of that nature um for the sake of like a lot of a lot of our different productions kind of are independent from each other where if something's running short, it's not going to cause something else to collapse, for example. And um, I think that that kind of game of hot potato where, you know, um, for example, one day we woke up and, you know, this is, I think, 2011. One day we woke up and our Google ads on our website uh we were we were basically getting kicked out of Google Ads because of what the their algorithm would automatically see in the comic, and uh, there was no way of fixing that. So you know, there's you know, we're not going to go in and censor comics at all, let alone one by one <laughs> as this algorithm picks up. And so I think that the fact that we cast a wide net and we leave it in a position where. If the, you know, hey, if a book doesn't do well, it's not going to affect this card game, you know, and I think that lets us kind of grow those branches out and expand on the things that are valuable to us and they work well and they're not getting screwed by some Internet force majeure. Um, And it also made us a little prepared to combat things like YouTube in general. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, And I imagine that just all of it uh, continues to evolve uh, well, right. like it does for everybody else in different ways, but, um, you know, it's constantly rolling along and you have to change as everything else changes. Right. Uh, we so start small and see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so generally Marco has a, a good question that we didn't get to at the very beginning, beginning, and we should have, uh, how did you all arrive on cyanide and happiness as a name? Um, let's see when I was first doing, I mentioned that I was doing cyanide happiness a few years before explosive existed. And, um, for a while it was, I, I named it kamikaze with like C O M I C A Z I. And I had a dot TK website. Um, and then just kind of looking around, I was like, Oh no, this, this name's kind of been used, uh, fairly often. So I'm just going to change the name of the series. And, um, the first thing I went to, uh, Cyanide and Happiness is dialogue in one of the earlier comics. Um, it's the ingredients to back alley cotton candy. Um, and so, you know, he's like, hey, what's 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 in it? And, you know, it's like uh, Cyanide and Happiness. And he says, hot damn, I'll take four. And uh, <laughs> I thought that Cyanide and Happiness was good. Uh, like the last thing I ever want to do is try to get a kid audience or think that uh, you know, or make it look, have an appearance where children might see it as a children's cartoon. And so trying to just kind of give out that, that hint that it's, that it has that dark, dark humor element to it. It's, it's bright and sunshiny looking and can be very dark and depressing and very real sometimes. And so, uh, I thought that name kind of fit the vibe and, and 
changed it from there. Uh, I was really worried that people were going to hate saying it because it was so long. But now we have, you know, the game uh, Side Night and Happiness presents Freakpocalypse. And it's just this long ass <laughs> title. <laughs> and uh, yeah, kind of works. There's a really quick question for Kevin, actually. Um, what? That this one. Yeah, this one came in, in late, uh, but I do want to ask it. Uh, it. Today was a big a big announcement uh, from Sony. Kevin, what are you most excited about with the PS5? Uh, there's a Demon Souls remake that's coming out at launch. I'm really excited about that. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. Same. That's what I'm most excited about. And when does it come out again? When does the actual thing arrive? Uh, November 12th, I believe. November 12th. Okay. Uh, yep. well, yeah, we wanted to, to, uh, ask this, um, so that we could tell you that your wife has pre-ordered you a PS5 and we wanted you to find out live on air. <laughs> what? Really? Oh man! Already scooped yeah, up. Really. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> what? I, mean, I don't know, I but they it weren't going on, up until tomorrow. Yeah, it popped on Twitter. Oh my god, Twitter, that's amazing! And yeah, yeah, she tweeted about it, and and I replied, and I was like, you know, she said, "Don't tell Kevin that I that I did this," and uh, I replied, "I'm like seriously, because I mean, you know, we can just tell him on the podcast. You want to do this?" She's like, "Yeah, do it." <laughs> that's awesome, man. You should yeah. marry her so, again. Little yeah, Kevin's know, getting right? the PS Five. That's amazing. Oh man, it, I'm such a nerd, but I uh, was really nervous about that. And I've been telling her how nervous I was because they have, they peeled back the production like drastically on it. I think by 4 million units through right. March or something like that. So oh, wow. I've been like in my nerdy little gamer way, uh, very neurotic about <laughs> being able to actually <laughs> get one because dude, I remember, are you a game? Like you're a big gamer, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're, you're freaking making a game. So I don't know yeah. if you remember. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago now. They made a one. I think it was 100 million units sold uh, PS4. Uh, they did some really special uh, anniversary uh, edition of the PS4. It was like this really nice, dark, translucent blue. I don't know. Long story short, they didn't make a lot of them. And I never got one. And I was always... <laughs> <laughs> really annoyed that I was never every time it would go on sale it would just sell out immediately I tried so many times I could never get one so I I was so nervous that this was going to happen again with the PS5 but uh hey that's what love is all about fellas there you go true love right there <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh uh, yep same Demon Souls remake I'm most hyped about when it comes to that I haven't seen the whole thing with Sony yet today but um, that's the one I've been licking oh, my lips about. Well, they showed like several minutes of nothing but straight gameplay footage of Demon Souls, and it looks amazing. So much better than the teaser that they did um, over the summer. Oh my gosh! There's no oh, HUD. Man. I don't know if you can turn the HUD off, but it looks like you can. There's there's literally nothing on the screen except the game. It's so cool. That's awesome, dude. I wanted more full screen. The more full screen, the better. I eat up the, all the design and monster design and stuff like that. It's what I love most about those games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, if my exciting. wife didn't pre-order it when I go out there, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Divorce papers served. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna batch a couple of these together so we can bang bang through them. Trevstad and Risebread asked, uh, "What's up?" I said, "Sounds good." Sorry. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, Trevstead and Rivesbread asked two kind of complimentary questions here. Uh, Trev asked uh, very generally, who are some of your favorite independent online artists? And Rivesbread said, adding on to that, are there any particular things uh, that gave inspiration for CNH? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll start. I'll start with CNH inspiration and then expand out a little bit. Um, a big, a big influence to many things about it. I'd say it's like for me what it felt like at the time. I was, you know, I was fourteen when I was first drawing them, and I was a very big fan of both Don Hertzfeldt and Jonan Vasquez and uh they like they like Jonan Vasquez's Noodle Boy and Don Hertzfeldt's animations it felt like kind of a mixture of that for me and uh so they were really big uh a huge line of stand-up comedy I've just loved stand-up ever since I was maybe four years old and uh there's a lot of heroes I've had there um you know uh like uh uh Stephen Wright uh, uh, you know, yeah, Stephen Wright, Mitch Hedberg, uh, you know, Bill Hicks, Dave Chappelle, um, lots of people. And then, um, moving forward, Casey Green is, was a huge one as well. Um, I feel like everybody knows Casey Green's work, even if they don't quite know him and just the amount of work that he's done. It's all amazing. Um, and web comics again, uh, Perry Bible Fellowship is another huge one that oh, I love. It came, it came out after <laughs> us, but it's just so good, man. It's just so Whenever great. I hear the name, I think of the Cave Explorer one where the you know the kid asks the dad, or you know it's like time for school or something. Oh, time for Cave Explorer! It's like it is the the filthiest, most god awful three frame comic that I think anybody's ever drawn. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is Perry Bible Fellowship looks so. Um, pretty and uh has so many different like child book children's book illustrations to it that most people don't understand that nine out of ten comics are about sex or something along (laughs) those lines it doesn't seem on the surface as dirty as it is uh which i love i love that about it um i have two framed prints that i will show you right now oh yeah from perry fellowship yes well actually what happened was I ordered my favorite comic from from him uh, as a print, and then he just sent me another one for for free. That's awesome. I, guess. I don't know why it was weird. So I got two. That's great. Everything about Nicholas Gerwich is weird. He he's uh, <laughs> he's like he is a cartoon character for sure. Um, let's see. I'll uh, mention some more uh, inspirations and uh, independent creators that I've grown to love. Uh, you know, you mentioned several of them before, uh, Psychic Pebbles, Chris Oni, uh, Mark M with Sick Animation. Uh, Felix Colgrave is an incredible animator, probably my favorite animator hey, who's doing stuff I on stop, the internet. Can I stop you here? Mm-hmm. I got to pause on this because that's actually the next question. If you can expand, uh, Puff asked, his, his question is just the name Felix Colgrave thoughts, opinions on his work, etc. So if you can, if you can expand on Felix Colgrave and why you like him, Puff will be thrilled. Absolutely. Dude, that's amazing. Dude, yeah. Good choice. Sorry, too. sorry, Matt. I, I brought in my, uh, the, the other one I have is, has to do with, uh, these like sexy unicorns. Oh yeah. And then this like really <laughs> ugly donkey shows up with like a carrot, like, taped to his forehead pretending to be a unicorn (laughs) Uh, but i seem to have like drilled that into my wall so i can't take it out uh this is my favorite (laughs) one though uh perry bible fellowship so i'm going to 
uh, do my best to describe what this comic is. Um, so essentially you have this, it looks like a, a children's illustration, like a, in, a, in, a, in a kid's book. And you have these kids and they see these clouds that have uh, these rainbow swings attached to them. These clouds with faces, these happy clouds. And the, 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 the clouds with the rainbow swings take the kids away, except for one kid who unfortunately is in a wheelchair. So the wheelchair handicapped kid is, is really sad as his friends get whisked away by these amazing happy clouds with rainbow swings. But luckily, one of the clouds has like a little handicapped access ramp so that the handicapped kid can also join his friends flying away on these rainbow clouds. The, the final panel is that the punchline here is this horrendous volcano with a skull face who the, the, uh, the kids are falling into the top of the volcano and uh, the, the cloud carrying the handicapped kid says, all gifts are accepted by Aranaktu. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> they're just being sacrificed to a volcano. That's, that's the joke. I and love it. I don't know. Uh, Perry Bible Fellowship is a great example. Before we started recording, um, we were talking about how there are some jokes that I don't understand how people come up with. Uh, they're so creative to me that I'm like, I don't know how you did that. Perry Bible Fellowship is a constant stream of jokes that I never could have come up with. And I'm always in awe of jokes like this. Like, I don't know how you put this together. Like rainbow right. cloud swing magic handicapped kid time ends up in like sacrificial volcano. This is, <laughs> where do you, how do you get there? How do you get there? Chris, do you know how you get there? How did he get there? I have, I have theories. I have theories. Um, I think that uh, it's about contrast, right? I think he probably he probably had a little visual in his head about rainbows being flipped over, used as ropes, used as swing and stuff like that, and probably actively tried to make a contrast between how bright and sunshiny and happy it is, and it's very inclusionary, and then it's like, inclusionary and happy for bad reasons and uh um you know that's that's my theory is it's probably like make it so sunshiny and and joyous and then topple that over right i love it did we get uh did we get a quick rundown on felix colgrave on what makes yeah, him I'm sorry amazing? no i totally interrupted that you're great man no worries <laughs> Yeah, Felix Colgrave is an incredible animator. He's also someone who was on Newgrounds back in the day. He has done uh, short films. He does crazy, weird little visuals. It's all very surrealist. Um, it has such a beautiful style to it. And the, the attention to detail he does with the sound design is really great, too. And he's been hired to make music videos as well. Uh, one, for example, was for a Nicki Minaj remix. And they're just... Uh, like, you know, Kevin, you're mentioning like, how did how did you get there? How did you come up with that? Felix Colgrave is constantly that his his visuals uh, that he animates and everything are like they almost involve no words. They're so visually funny and interesting. And the whole thing is just far out. It's very psychedelic and surreal and it can be creepy. And I just highly recommend checking out all this stuff. He's working on a on a movie that uh, like a feature length animation that he's been working on for a few years. And that's going to come out soon. 
we want a good introduction to his work, I would say check out Double King by, Fe- by Felix Colgrave. And I think that'll be a good uh, good way to get a sense of it. Double King? Yeah, Double King. Okay. You're going to love it if you yeah, haven't seen it, Kevin. I have already got that in the, in the chat. I think somebody's about to pop it in. Yeah, there it is already. Nice. Thank you, uh, chat. Excellent, excellent. So this one starts with, with a comment. This is from Baseway. And he wanted you to know that he's been reading your stuff religiously since junior high. And he's always found comfort in CNH. He said, hearing that you were raised Mormon gives him hope about his own future. So thank you for your art and your influence on his life. Um, um, you mentioned you. growing up in a Mormon household at the very beginning there. Um, are, are you currently uh, practicing or if, is that, uh, have, have you left uh, uh, that or no? I'm currently practicing because how that's to just... stay the fuck away from it, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so we would classify this as ex-Mormon, yes? Uh, Ex-Mormon. Um, I wasn't officially excommunicated, but I'm not sure they do the letters anymore. Um, but uh, okay. no, uh, my, I grew up um, in a Mormon family and uh, my parents were a lot less religious and were definitely kind of more of the black sheep family. Um and Mormon families are great okay. and everything, but you know, it's can also be very mafia. There can be like sure. a lot of weird rules and stuff. And, you know, I, as growing up, I really hated church too, cause it was very long and, uh, it was like four hours. And then I would do, um, that's a while. What's it called? Uh, um, inner school afterwards, which is just the, the younger kids all have to do about another hour long class. And it's more focused. And, uh, that was torture. I don't have a good attention span. So having to sit there and like wanting to draw or do anything on a, on your weekend, um, definitely made me not want to just sit there and fidget with it. But, um, no, uh, I definitely got an idea when I was young. I saw my family kind of act strange, not because they were strange, but the religion kind of forced them to act strange and be really clicky and really strange, uh, just weird. And we're neighbor. We were neighbors going down uh, the same side of a road in Fort Bridger for I don't know, maybe three fourths of a mile. It's just my family all living next to each other, okay. and uh, that's so how you mine know is them pretty much uh, where I live. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I I know what that's uh, what that's like. You know, kind of being out in the country, and you know, it's everybody knows that your family is on the hill. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that hill is the row of houses and in the connecting plots. So yeah, (laughs) that's a really great thing in some ways and it's very strange in others. (laughs) Right. And they are like grouped. It's so similar to mafia where it's like, oh, that's the Hamblin family. And even if people who don't (laughs) have the last name Hamblin, you'll know they're the Hamblins and ours was like the Peterson sect or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I definitely... You know, I had fun pushing the buttons with religion and stuff like that, and uh, didn't it, I didn't find anything I needed from religion. So um, aside from being able to make light of it and kind of joke about it, uh, so it, I mean, it had a lot to do with my, uh, I guess, um, you know, I was I was a knuckle dragon skateboarder guy, so I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to take the piss out of out of religions. Um, and the same goes for Rob and Dave. Like, uh, uh, Dave went to uh, Catholic school and he's not a very Catholic guy. I'll tell you that. And, uh, same with Rob, you know, growing up in Texas and, um, he went to a religious private school as well and stuff like that. And so we all have had our different experiences with different religions and just kind of, it comes into our work a lot where we like to 
play with it as a theme or make fun of it. And um, I think I think it's useful. I'm glad that Baseweight's, I, I uh, oh. can I say I indoctrinated. What was the username? Uh, Baseweight. Baseweight. We de-doctrinated Baseweight, maybe, if that's the influence <laughs> we had. <laughs> his, his real question uh, is, what would you tell your former Mormon self about how to approach the future? Um, I would tell my Which former- Which is a tough one. I mean, that's a big one, isn't it? Right. Well, um, I would uh, find myself when I was eight, and I would uh, there was a little religious book I had to read, and I uh, would- tell him, Hey, put it down. Don't worry about it. Um, I know you really want the banana split they're going to give you, but it's going to come with baptism and, uh, a whole lot of people knowing where you live, uh, through like the Mormon networks of information and stuff like that. Cause they really rope kids in with, uh, at least from my experience was, uh, Hey, do you want to read this? Like, I don't know, 16 page book. And then we can go, go out and get banana splits. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, let's go give banana splits. That sounds great. 16, 16 pages. Pff, I'm in a, I'm eight. I, I have such a high reading level. 16 pages is nothing. And so I read it and I'm like, ha, done. Banana split time. And, you know, next thing I know, uh, we're all getting dressed up and going to uh, the church and uh, I'm being dunked in water. And then we all go get banana splits. I'm like, oh, there's the catch. So I would uh, stop myself from, uh, uh, Maybe not seeing through that since that was kind of um, uh, a pretty sneaky thing for a family to do, even though I didn't know the gravity of it or anything. Um, We actually failed to secure a sponsor uh, for this episode because um, we we didn't try. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) given that that, uh, on the, uh, the Here's an Idea podcast. The creators and writers of Cyanide and Happiness have one hour to pitch, write, and record a new original script for an animated short or face dire consequences. The task that we're about to set forth should be very, very easy. You have zero seconds to come up with a sponsor for this episode. Done. Zero seconds? Yes. <laughs> we, need a, we need a sponsor uh, invented on the spot. Fall season is blowing in. So does the cold weather. So does the cold tips of your ears. Nobody <clears throat> going back. Are you tired of are you tired of a cold head, cold temple, cold face, cold dome getting in the way of your good day, <laughs> of your warm feelings and memories? Have you tried the brand new pure yellow and blue Napa beanie? <laughs> if you haven't, ooh, don't be the last person on your block to try it. <laughs> I guess and scene, not my best work. <laughs> I can say they do have a 35 year warranty. I can attest to, to, to the quality of that beanie. Yeah, come in. Yeah, with use the... code Napa for 69 percent off. <laughs> when you when you started talking about the tips of ears, I thought it was going to be something that was like a tiny miniature hat just for the tops of each ear. Oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> See, there you go. Even better sponsor. Just. <laughs> <laughs> what is the top, what do they call the top part of the ear again? I forget. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Is there's a well earworm medical is, term? is already taken, right? So right. Ear socks. Ear socks. Ear socks is good. Yeah. Get yourself a pair of create unknown ear socks. <laughs> the ear gang is already rising up in the chat. Um, <laughs> we can machine gun a couple here, and then uh, we'll be we'll be out the door. Uh, what inspired depressing week 
And how much do you love writing that stuff? Depressing Week came from an idea that Dave did uh, that he wasn't quite sure of. Um, no, no, sorry, Rob did. Rob did a comic about a kid who um, I believe his parent, his mom tells him that he's too short or he he's in a wheelchair, my bad. And uh, his mom tells him that he'll never be able to play basketball. And then it cuts later to him at the doctor and the doctor's telling the mom, I'm sorry, he died of broken dreams. And uh, Rob was asking us, he's like, is this funny or is this just sad? And uh, uh, Dave was like, it's sad and we should do a week of them. And then it became this practice of writing in the completely uh, opposite direction where we are really trying to find things that uh, we find sad and depict them. And we spend time to try to bum each other out. And uh, as, as rough as the writing process is, I absolutely love it. Well, depressing week and all the other weeks uh, are relevant to Zach Attack 69's question. Nice. Uh, he says that he sees Cyanide and Happiness comics reposted everywhere on websites, apps. Um, yeah. And uh, God, I, I don't remember where I first saw it, but it probably wasn't a legitimate place. Right. <laughs> so um, how do you. How do you, do you try to prevent that kind of content theft and, and does it affect the way you do things at all or the process? We, we have very strong views when it comes to that. And, uh, it's kind of helped us honestly from the get go. Um, we were, when the internet was a little older, it was 2006 and there was a big thing that web comics didn't like, which was hyperlinking. If you ever remember trying to post an image somewhere and it just comes up as a broken image hosted by angel fire yeah. or whatever, that's people preventing hyperlinking. And we were one of the first, if not the first comic to say, uh, you know, allow hyperlinking, share it wherever, post it wherever you want. We don't care. Please post it. Um, you know, and I think that definitely helped us along the way. We've even had uh, there was a point where a television station in New Zealand stole our comics and put them up like panel for panel, like the comics of all things. We had animations, but they showed panel for panel just some of our comics on TV. And so we got a hold of them, not, oh, you sons of bitches, not take it down or anything. We said, no, do it again. But this time, put our name up there, put our contact stuff up there. And uh, that's kind of how we treat it. You know, like Matt and Trey Parker, they like collecting all the knockoff merchandise of their stuff. Um, we're kind of the same way. We, we don't want, we don't take people down. We, if people are trying to steal stuff, we just say, Hey, put it up again and do it right. Cause the art, what we want to do is entertain people. We want people to see it. Sure. No, that seems to be a, a successful attitude toward building something that it's surprising that more people don't do that. Right. Um, uh, and, yeah. and Zach follows up just now in the chat saying one of the greatest weapons against uh, content theft of your stuff is is its style. Right, right. Um, like there's we didn't invent circles and squares and there's a lot of uh, web comics that have come up from being inspired by us. But the thing is like, yeah, uh, you know, if they're not trying to steal our logo and make it appear that we made something we didn't, you know, that's just a different thing entirely. If someone's like, you know, taking our stuff and putting it up on a meme page and whatnot, like, no, that's fine. That's uh, what we consider successful. Um, but uh, yeah, like 
people emulating the style, we also read comics and we also want to laugh. So if they're if they're making something that's stylistically similar, but um, it's original in their own writing and their own take on it, then, you know, we endorse that. We, we want to laugh at comics, too. That's cool. We've got a, a, a short one and uh, and another one. And it, now that I now that I realize how many times you, you sat through four hours in in the church. I mean, this is nothing. That means we have two more hours to go. No, this is great. I love this church. <laughs> no banana splits, no baptisms. Kevin I guess I should ask up front. The Church of the Unknown. You know, the Church of the Unknown would be a, a pretty beautiful. solid name. You know, it's mm-hmm. isn't that nice? That's great. You yeah. know, there's so many cults out here in Colorado that I think if you just put Church of the Unknown up on a flyer, you'd have people pouring in. That's yeah. our next move. Oh, I like this. Yeah. 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 This has legs. This mm-hmm. has legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Trev asked, um, can you think of any good lost webcomic artists? Do any pop into your head? Like uh, that are now no longer active, I imagine. Yeah. I think that have, have been, uh, uh, forgotten in a way or, right. you know, are now memories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, white ninja is a really good one. Um, that's no longer going, um, red meat was another really great one back oh, in the day. Oh god, I loved Red Meat. Right? In the 90 90- Sorry to jump on you with this, but I remember uh Kevin and I went to the same high school, so he knows the room I'm talking about. The physics room had computers in the back, and that was kind of a de facto computer lab where you really could goof around as opposed to, you know, really properly using the computers. Right. And every single day I would check Red Meat. Yeah. Um Oh my God, it was just incredible. And I remember like that, that now is like 21 years ago, right? sitting there laughing at, at, uh, you know, the, the kid being forced to live under the stairs because, uh, his parents wouldn't buy him leg braces or something. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, (laughs) it was so brutal to that kid. So white ninja, you said red meat, uh, were there any others? Oh, that's a great question. White ninja, red meat. Um, our uh, uh, Joel, who now writes in voice X with us, uh, Joel Watson, he did one called Hijinks and Sue that was really good. Um, there, there's so many that have uh, gone away, and I don't want to say that say they're you know lost if they're on a hiatus or whatever. But uh, right. one that is currently on a hiatus, but it's an incredible one, is called Death Bulge. And uh, our buddy Dan Martin makes that one, and he's working on a video game right now, a uh, music-based RPG, and it looks sweet. But Death Bulge is an, definitely an excellent one to take uh, check out. Um, but yeah, great question, great question. I kind of want to think one. on I that have more. One. Chris, do you yeah. know Leisure Town? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Leisure Town. I was just racking my brain for it, and I, for some reason, I, I couldn't remember the name of the webcomic, but I remembered the artist's name, which was Tristan Farnan. Um after we get uh, finished up here, uh, you have to yep. look at Leisure Town. It was a comic strip yep. where there were photos of these like kids' toys, uh, like little animals, and um, extremely offensive. Oh yeah, and um, yes, send me a good place <laughs> yeah. to start. I'm seeing the art style right now, and it's wild. It's great. It's I've almost, never seen uh, anything like it since. I never saw, and, and I and I, I even remember thinking back in like 2001 how long it must have taken to make these. Cause especially back then when the tools that you had to create, even just like Photoshopping things were garbage yeah. in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, um, like even a drawing tablet was incredibly hard to get a hold of. 
Yeah. 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 And sucked. Like even yeah. when you did, <laughs> it's like this good. big, this big, and it would only control like just a small little square on your screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I will do my best to find my favorite uh, Leisure Town comic and I will share it with you and you will not be allowed to let anybody know that I you did that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There's, so let, there's a few I know. Let's, like that too. Oh, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Cat Boyo has has really a question that um, it it kind of flows from the intro that we did. Uh, he said, "Did you ever expect years ago that simple drawings would lead to a really well known series that has been uh, part of the backbone of the internet for so long now, with animations and comic strips that are always." always being recommended on Facebook, on YouTube, used to be on Vine, now it's on Instagram and TikTok. Mm-hmm. Does it does it blow your mind to see the vast reach of your work at this point? Absolutely. It's surreal every day and uh, has been surreal since the get-go. Um, I remember like what stood out to me like heavily was sitting in a town in Wyoming of 150 people and working on these things, uh, these comics and and whatnot. Uh, by myself for years and and then with collaborating with Rob and Dave and just doing that for a little while and I never saw the effects I never you know you'd see a number on how many people are reading it and maybe you'd find it in the wild on the internet or on a MySpace page or whatever at the time but um, going to Comic-Con and seeing that we had a just a two-hour signing and the amount of people that were willing to show up for that and like meeting people in person who actually share the sense of humor or enjoy it um, <clears throat> that that really put a lot of things into perspective you know where it felt like oh you know you could actually feel like you're kind of helping contribute to contribute to something in in you know uh, uh, for people you're contributing to the human human race i don't know human condition i don't know what word i'm looking for but um yeah that that really opened our eyes it's it's surreal all the time it's surreal when it yeah it's just surreal when anybody like tells us oh i've been reading since 2008 or what have you um it's incredible it it's just it never stops being puzzling and mind-blowing um the fact that you know people that this year if someone's you know, this year CNH will be old enough to drive. And the fact that there's people still like <laughs> feverishly supporting it is just, it's, it's fucking awesome. It's incredible. Like there's no, I'll never be, get to a point where I don't just kind of get a little uh, shocked in the headlights of it. Well, we want to uh, ask one more question that will elevate the discourse and contribute positively to the human race. Okay. And it's something that we ask all of our guests and then the we'll get you out of here. On, no, 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 no. Importantly, <laughs> not just the human race, but, you know, we're the only ones here for now uh, until you answer this question. And that is, what is your fursona? My fursona is a is a sea urchin. It's a uh, sea urchin. Na- uh, let's see what the, the name is. Um, Urchula. And, um, you know. <laughs> Goes to high school like every other every other fursona. Uh, has a, a dyed bouffant and uh, um, very sexy, but also uh, you you can't get close to it. It's a, it's a bad boy sea urchin. 
<laughs> would they let me in? Would they let me into the YIF parties if I was a, you know, a, a spineless sea so. creature? Yeah, you're in. There's, um, <laughs> there, there's actually, uh, oh, what is it called? Uh, there's a legitimate paradox involving exactly that concept, and it's called the hedgehog something. Uh, about right. about getting close to people and loving them, right? And that's a similar the hedgehog dilemma. That's right. Despite goodwill, human int- intimacy cannot occur without substantial mutual harm. Uh, but my question is: If you're in high school, Ursula, how do you participate properly in gym class? Oh, in gym you, class, you sound like a danger. Yeah, you sound like a danger to everybody around you as a sea urchin. How do you how do you participate in PE? Usually, uh, I'd say. S- uh, Ursula, my best my best way is to skip it and smoke a cigarette behind the dumpster. And uh, um, <laughs> but if I can't get out of that, then you know, uh, time to break that bad boy exterior and just try to convince my mom to write a sick note. Say I can't because I got um, like a, a IBS or something. <laughs> the uh, the, the image of, with of Ursula. <laughs> The image of Ursula smoking a cigarette made me think for some reason of a clam smoking a cigarette, which is an awesome image. (laughs) It really is. Can that be my album cover? That's incredible. A clam smoking a cigarette is great. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) You can have that one for free. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, man. Great conversations. And I appreciate the chat and uh, all their questions as well. Yes, yes. Huge, huge thank you to the chat, to all of our patrons who join us for our live recordings here. If you want to do that in the future, you just have to go to patreon.com slash the create unknown and become one of us. Google gobble, Google gobble, one of us. And you can (laughs) hang out with us for all of these recordings. And uh, to check out Chris Wilson, cyanide and happy stuff, uh, happiness stuff. Go anywhere because uh, <laughs> it, it, will it come runs to you. the gamut. Yeah, it will come to you. You can't avoid it. Whether it's been ripped off and freebooted and reposted somewhere, or you're downloading it on your Nintendo Switch, um, it's going to be in front of your eyeballs, and you're going to love it. All right, thanks, Chris. Thanks, chat. Hey, Talk soon. Thank See you, you Space so much. Cowboys.